Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there is a oh! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon, You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked the young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, November 15. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope you're doing well. It's an off night for the Montreal Canadiens. The Laval Rocket, by the way, we're in action tonight. I'm going to get an update, I would imagine, very shortly. From the Cavalaros, Agnello, Juliana, and Sammy, who are at Master Control. But the last time I checked, uh, the Laval Rocket was mounting a pretty amazing comeback. But then at one point, I had to stop and get ready for the show. So anyway, I'll find out for you, and I'll give you an update in just a second. Some of you were probably watching, so you probably have the update before I do. But anyway, for those of you who weren't watching, we're going to try and get to you uh, and get it to you as soon as possible. Once again, the Sick Podcast, you're watching live on YouTube, live on Facebook, and live on Twitter. A couple of guests will join us tonight in about 30 minutes' time. Mac andre Perot from TVA Spar will join us. And to start off the show, he's a regular, collaborators on, a regular collaborator on Wednesdays. Last week, I kept him for about an hour and 10 minutes. And today, I said, I can't do that to him. So I called Marc-Andre Perot. I said, Marc-Andre, can you give me 30 minutes tonight? He said, yes. So I put him at around 10.30. Craig Button. TSN Director of Scouting. How are you? Tony, have, 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 you told, uh, have you told MA that he might have to wait till 11.15? <laughs> I'm not going to keep you that long tonight as much as I'd like to, but I can't do that to you again two weeks in a row. I just, I had this, you know, you are, you are one of the, um, I've been doing this for 22 years and uh, not to say that I've, 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 met you often because i haven't not to say that we've broken bread together or gone for a drink because we haven't but you're the type of guy that i feel like i've known for the longest time you are one of the nicest guys in the media that i've crossed paths with and um you know even though last week you said tony this was my pleasure and we can go on forever i just had this visual i said when he hung up i said this guy probably wants to kill me right now we went like an hour and 10 minutes but you're the nicest guy in the world man well, you, you know, I've said this, you know, my, my two girls, they're 30 and 27. I'll just give you a little bit of an update. I just became a grandfather on Saturday night. My oh, really? daughter gave birth to a, to a baby girl, Blair Alexandra. And uh, so it, it, it's so much fun and everything. But we, we only had one rule in our house, uh, Tony. Our rule was simply this. Be nice to everybody all the time. There's no cost to, to being nice. And being nice means, you know, we used to say, being nice to your sister, being nice to your parents, be nice. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but there's just being nice to people, being polite is not hard to do. So I appreciate the, uh, uh, you know, your, 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 your kind words and everything. But he, here's how I feel about this. In, in our country, and, and certainly in the province of Quebec, hockey has, has a place that courses through the veins of people. And, and, and you, you know, you love to watch your team. You go through the agony of defeat and, and, and the joys of victory and everything. And your passion and your joy of covering a team that you love dearly and that you've seen those great joys and, and, some, of the, and some of the disappointments and, and defeats, you know, to me, that, that's something that I feel so fortunate to be part of being in the media in this country and covering hockey. So when you say to me, there's never going to be a time I'm going to, I'm going to finish and say, I want to kill you because 
it, it flows. And, and to me, it's natural. And it, it ends up being 40 minutes or 50 minutes or an hour. And it doesn't matter to me because, you know, what you're trying to do, Tony, is, is tremendous. You, you, you connect with the, uh, with, the, uh, with the fans of the Montreal Canadiens. And to me, asking me to be part of this is, is truly an honor. All right, so I just got an update. Thank you very much for that, and congratulations on being a grandfather. I would imagine it's a, just a, a real special feeling. The Laval Rocket were down, um, I think it was 4 nothing, but you know what? I saw that 4-1. It was, it was 4 nothing. It was, okay, they won by a score of 6-4. to four. Isn't that something? Wow. What a game uh, earlier this evening then at, uh, at Place Bell in Laval. Laval Rocket come back and win the game by a score of 6-4. to four. I would imagine that a couple of Montreal Canadiens prospects had some pretty big games. Uh, I'm willing to bet that Sean Farrell and Joshua Roy probably did pretty well for themselves. We'll find that out in just a second. You know, you started with this whole, you know, how much we're passionate about hockey in Canada and how much we're passionate about hockey in Quebec. I don't know if you got wind of this. I imagine you did. And I don't know if you did just how much, you know, how much of a pulse of it you got. But we're in the middle of a big scandal here in Quebec because a story surfaced yesterday that the Quebec government is willing to pay the Los Angeles Kings uh-huh. anywhere between 5 to $7 million to play a couple of games near the end of their preseason next year, uh, of course, at the Centre Vidéotron in Quebec City. Now, the Canadians have played there before. Now, the Canadians are coming out and the Canadians are saying, hold on a second here. Like, just they're, they're letting members of the media know that they were willing to pay pretty much for free. Um, but now there's other voices coming out saying the Canadians forgot about Quebec a long time ago. And once they heard that the Los Angeles Kings would be going to Quebec City and play a couple of games there. Then they put their hand up and said, hold on a second, why are you calling Los Angeles? We'll come. And, you know, I'm part of a, um, I'm on a a TV show called GEC uh, on TVA Sports, and I have a segment there with Jean-Charles Lajoie. He had a very interesting point. His point was, if this is causing an uproar, the Canadians are letting members of the media know that, you know, they would have played there for free. Canadians aren't happy about this, that the Kings are going there. Well, if the Canadians aren't happy about the Kings going to Quebec for a couple of days, JC asked the question, how could they be happy about the Quebec Nordiques possibly coming back one day? I don't think they're going to be. And <laughs> maybe happy is the wrong word. You know, Craig, if I can, and I'm sorry to interrupt, I just want to add to this conversation. On the record, they've always said that they would endorse the Nordiques returning to the National Hockey League. We've heard people who have worked for the organization, I believe it was Michel Therrien, came out at one point and said, listen, I can tell you, when I was there, they were against it. Okay, I mean, so when we think about the Montreal Canadiens and we think about the business of, uh, of the National Hockey League, you know, the Quebec Nordiques left a long time ago. You know, it's, it's going on 30 years. The business of hockey has changed. And, you know, in, in, Montreal, in Quebec, you know, the vast majority of people in, in, in the province have been Montreal Canadiens fans. Now, the Quebec Nordiques fans... We had it was a great passion. I mean, come on, Tony. We, I mean, we remember the 80s, we remember some fabulous, fabulous battles, you know, and everything that went with it. And but the business has changed. And you know, when we say the Montreal Canadiens are against it, I, I think we need to go deeper. Why are they against it? You know, is it, is it because they don't want competition economically, or is it because they don't want competition on the ice? I can't imagine it's not because of on the ice competition. Economically, the business has changed. You've got to be able to support a $90 million uh, cap now uh, in the National Hockey League. And, you know, you look at different places around the league and who can afford it and who can't. So I think that the question for the Quebec Nordiques or a franchise in Quebec is, can they support uh, a $90 million payroll and, and, and then all the costs that go with it to, to come back to the NHL? Because it's not just about you got to be able to contribute. You can't just be a taker in the revenue streams. You got to be able to contribute, you know, and what it's at. So I think understanding 
you know, what it means by being against it. Is that the Montreal Canadiens saying we don't want the Nordiques or, or a Quebec hockey franchise? Or is it the, the business realities that say, hey, listen, you know what? We don't think they can, they, they can support it. Now, I, I, I can anticipate the argument, well, how do you defend the Arizona Coyotes? Fair point. <laughs> Fair point, right? And, and, and everything that goes with it. You know, the LA Kings coming to, I don't get why the LA Kings want to come and play in Quebec City. Like, why? Like, what? what I think the reason is, is because they're getting paid to come there. Of course. That's, that's why one, they're coming. That's right? one reason. Yeah. So, why wouldn't the government go to, Quebec, to, to Montreal and say, hey, listen, we think it's really important. We think it's really important for, uh, for you to, to support us. We're trying to do this. And, you know, we, We'd like you to come for free, but we'll pay you. Why don't they go to Montreal first? I don't have the answer to that. What Neither I do know is the last time Montreal played in Quebec, they did not dress a very veteran lineup. They dressed a very American Hockey League lineup, prospects who weren't going to make the team. Uh, I would be willing to bet that if the Los Angeles Kings, if this thing goes through here, that Phil Deneau will play the two games. Pierre-Luc Dubois will play the two games. Marc Bergevin will be around. Luke Robitaille will be around. There will be interviews going on. I would imagine uh, those employed by the organization from La Belle Province will be very involved. Somebody brought up a point here on, on the YouTube chat live, and it's a pretty good point, saying, well, if they're going to get a team to go to Quebec City, if it's not going to be the Montreal Canadiens, why don't they ask the Colorado Avalanche to go? Very another fair, another fair point, right? And you know, and 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 again, like you know, teams are looking to get their costs covered. The LA Kings are, are running a business, and if if the if the reports are true that they're getting between five and seven million dollars to come and play, that pays. That not only pays for their entire training camp, <laughs> that pays that pays for a lot of a, a lot of costs surrounding the operation of your team. So. If I'm the LA Kings, I'm going, okay, I'll travel to Quebec City to play a few games. And, you know, Luke and Philip Deneau can come in and, and, and talk. And, you know, we, we know how, how special they are as French Canadians and how revered they are in the province of Quebec. But, you know, economically, I'm not so sure the, 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 the Los Angeles Kings would be all excited about coming to uh, Quebec City if they weren't getting yeah. compensated. And, and listen, we, we know why um conversation took place the king's arena will be undergoing renovations during that time so they got to go somewhere so they're looking to make some money it kind of makes sense in that regard but i have another theory they're trying to get pierre luc dubois contract paid for the season that's what it is <laughs> well that, again economically and financially that's just good business isn't it right and, you know, we talk about Philip Deneau and we talk about Luke Robitaille, but Pierre-Luc Dubois is also a big draw. And, uh, you know, when you think about, I, I think his father, Eric, played a handful of games. He was drafted by the Nordiques. He, he might have, I'm not sure if Eric ever played a game, but if he played some games, there was a handful of games uh, for the Nordiques. But I know his father was drafted by the Nordiques. But yeah. uh, we'll see, you know, if there's not controversy, if there's not, it's a different battle of, of Quebec now. Is it, you, you know, the battle takes place in different places. I, I hear you. I'll just say this, though, in ending. You asked the question, can Quebec City support a salary cap of up to about $90 million over the next couple of years? I don't have the answer to that question, but I will give you an opinion on something. It's a couple of occasions now. I think we see 11,000 and change in the stands in Winnipeg. And my opinion is, is that you would always see numbers superior to that in Quebec. Fair point. And, and, and you know, there's going to be, there's going to be situations around the league. And that's why I, I brought up Arizona. You bring up Winnipeg. Fair points. And, I, and, and, and that is the pushback, yeah. right? But, you know. I mean, the owner, I mean, part of, part of what's happening too is, is, you know, we saw $650 million mm -hmm. uh, uh, expansion fee for Seattle. We're seeing the uh, Ottawa Senators go for $950 million U.S. Montreal Canadiens valuation at $2.5 billion. You know, what could the NHL get in, in an expansion fee and who's ready to pay it? And, 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 and I think that, that those all become factors economically, 
you know, not only for Quebec City, but any French, any city that's interested in getting uh, a team there. All and, right. and the league is not interested in, in, in letting teams move yeah. because given a choice of letting a team move and saying, well, we can get $800 million for a franchise, you know, it's pretty simple what the league wants to do. Let's move on to another topic now. Uh, Marty St. Louis says, in his opinion, the Montreal Canadiens just played their best four games in a row since he's been there. I haven't gone through the entire schedule to see if, you know, if I agree with that or not. This is what I know. Their last four games, Agnello, Sammy, Juliana, and Master Control, if you can bring up the schedule for the month of November, and here we have it right here. Okay. The last four games dates back to last week on Thursday. The Canadians were in Detroit. They beat the Red Wings by a score of 3-2. to two. That was in overtime. A couple of nights later, they beat the Boston Bruins in Montreal by the same score of 3-2, to two, also in overtime. Night after that, they lose 5-2 to the Vancouver Canucks here in Montreal. And last night, lost by a score of 2-1. to one. So, what I do know is that it's two wins and two losses. I also know that three of those games were one-goal games. Um, I also know that last night the Montreal Canadiens could have deserved a better fate. They had more shots and more scoring chances than the Calgary Flames. On Sunday night, their best players got totally outplayed by Vancouver's best players who were uh, fumigating uh, or fuming coming into fumigating, fuming coming into the game because they had lost the night before in Toronto. I'm not so sure with Marty's assessment. But he would know better than I would, though. But uh, what did you make of uh, the last three or four games and what Marty had to say? Well, you know, I was in Vegas for the game that they played in Vegas that they lost in the shootout, and and, and it was a fantastic game. And, you know, they didn't win that game. So, you know, like, you know, Marty's perspective, I I, I think is, I think it has to be taken through the lens of what what the expectations of his team are. You know, you, you think about, beating a really good Boston Bruins team, really mm-hmm. good Boston Bruins team. You think about losing and then having to go into Detroit and, and, and Detroit's been humming along pretty good. And, and, and they did play good there. Listen, Jacob Markstrom won the game last night for the, yeah, uh, Jacob, I would for, say so. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, you, you look at three of those four games, take away the Vancouver games. I like, 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 I think it's fair. I think it's fair. What, what Marty's saying. And, but, but again, Take it in context of the lens he's looking at it through. The pro, he, he keeps talking about taking steps. He, he uses the word truth. You know, we need to be truthful with and, – and Marty, the one thing I think that everybody knows about Marty, if they didn't know it already and, and, and if they don't know it, you're going to know it. Marty's truthful. Marty's not saying that to just say it. You know, if they're not good enough or players aren't playing well enough, he, he, he's going to say that. So – you know, using, uh, you know, his philosophy of truth and being truthful with yourselves and everything, like I think there is some good signs. I, I, I think one of the things for the Montreal Canadiens, and this is still part of their, uh, you, you know, their, their their objective to become better, to become tighter. You know, defensively, they're, they're still a team that is at the bottom of the league. You know, despite playing really well in, 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 the, in these last stretch of games, Bottom of the league in in, in defense in, in so many different areas, and you know those are areas you're going to have to improve in. But as a coach, you don't want to be always focusing in on the negatives. Trust me when I tell you this, and you don't have to trust me blindly. Yeah, Craig, I, Marty's working on the negatives. Yeah, but he doesn't need to talk about the negatives. He wants to emphasize the positives. Speaking of positives, he's been pretty happy with the play of Uri Slavkowski over the last couple of games. I got to tell you, um, I, I, there's still some things where uh, it seems like he gets a little bit nervous, I find, around the net, or he hesitates, or he's probably thinking too much. Do I shoot? Do I pass? Wh- what's my play selection here? But one thing I, I have liked, he's been much more physically involved over the last couple of games, I find. Well, asserting himself, right? Like, you know, establishing a presence, like, you know, serving notice to your opponents, hey, you're going to have to deal with me physically now. You know, one of the things I'm just going to try to demonstrate this, when you're a big guy and you want to put your hands out there like this and it becomes easy, you just, the, the good players just swipe the puck off. Your size doesn't matter now. I talked about this, that, he, that he's learning how to use his size, didn't really know how to use his size. 
But now when I'm like, you're seeing progression in that area mm-hmm. where he is making it difficult for a point. He's saying to them, you're going to have to handle my size now. And, 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 and there is a confidence there. I, I, he's getting in and around the net a little bit more. He's driving inside the dots a little bit more. And this is where you want to continue to see that progress with him. And, okay, like, you, you know, the growing pains have been significant for Uri at the National Hockey League level. But I, I, I'm with you, Tony. I think there's, there, there's some good, back to what I said about Marty, you know, there, there's areas of the game that need improvement, but let's focus in on the positives right now. And I think he's doing that with the individuals and he's doing it with the group as a whole. Craig, a couple of games ago, Marty St. Louis took the decision to separate Caulfield and Suzuki. He talked about it when he was a player and he said, you know what? Every now and then I was separated from LeCavalier. I ended up playing with Richards. Every now and then I was separated from Richards. I went to play with LeCavalier. Every now and then it's good to be separated from each other then you could come back at one point going into last night's game the lines were suzuki with newhook on his left and anderson on his right dvorak with caulfield on his left and slavkovsky on his right and then monahan with uh gallagher on his right and pearson on his left Cole Caulfield's got a goal in his last nine games. Earlier this evening, Michelle Bergeron, and it should be noted that the coach reunited Caulfield and Suzuki with 12.39 left in period number three last night. Earlier this evening, Michelle Bergeron said on television, why is Cole Caulfield playing with the third-line centerman on the team? And if it wasn't for an injury to Kirby Doc, the guy would be the fourth-line centerman on the team. He's the best shooter on the team. He's the best scorer on the team. Why was he? Why is he playing with a third slash fourth line center? Your thoughts? It's a good question. So we, you look at numbers, right? You look at where Cole. I mean, Cole Ryan went off the crossbar last night. He had a couple of really good chances. I mean, I mean, I worry about players when they're not getting their chances. I haven't seen that with Cole. Listen, I, I think right now, I, like you know, I, I get it from a coaching point of view. Like what, and this is the question, what is Alex Newhook and uh, Josh Anderson giving the team right now? Like, what are they giving the team? You know, so the, you, you got third line players, maybe players that should be deeper down the lineup, you know, playing on your top line with Suzuki. Like, okay, so maybe you're trying to have Suzuki get those guys going, right? But I mean, I mean, Newhook and, and, and Anderson, I mean, I mean, talk about underperforming. Yeah. I mean, what what are they giving the team? And now that drags back Suzuki. And now to 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 to, to Michelle's point of view, that, that now you got now you've got Slavkovsky a rookie. Now you got Caulfield and and Dvorak. Like, I, I, what I would say is, ask Marty. Like, yeah. what's your thinking playing Newhook and and Anderson uh, with with Suzuki? Because he, here's my big belief on this. Okay. Like, and, and, and I'll be I'm very clear on it. You know, I, I hear this from coaches. I've heard it for years. Well, you know what? We're going to put them up with Suzuki and get them going. How about if Josh Anderson and Alex Newhook get themselves going? Why do you have to rely on Nick Suzuki to get you going and maybe hold him back? Get yourself going. You know, Tony, does, does, does somebody have to come and wake you up in the morning and put clothes on you and lay out your, your wardrobe for the day and make your breakfast and then make your lunch? I don't think so. And to me, Josh Anderson and Alex Newhook have been incredibly disappointing. No, if anything, I tell my wife, if you're going to do anything with my clothes, take them off, not put them on. <laughs> that's, another story. that's another story for another day. All right, okay. Now, listen, it's an interesting point because let's talk about Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson's got one or two things going for him, Craig. Okay, number one is he's drawing more penalties than probably most players in the league. He's got to be you know, among the top in that category, okay? Number two uh, is that he's in the top five on the team and expected goals. But at the end of the day, Greg, and where it counts, and I know where you're getting at, his production in terms of goals so far this season is zero. Now, I I think it's safe to say that Josh Anderson's not going to change at this stage of his career with the amount of games that he's played at the National Hockey League level. He is who he is for the good and for the less good. Is there anything else that a GM, a coach, 
anyone could try. If you were managing this player or you were coaching this player, is there something that you would say to him that probably someone hasn't said to him before? Is there something you would work on? Is there something you would do? I, I, I think one of the, I, I think it's knowing your game and, and, and Josh is, is a great skater. You talk about drawing the penalties that, that that's there. Like I, I think he gets himself in, in the spots in the ice where he overhandles the puck and he tries to be a finesse player instead of a hard driving, shoot the puck, follow the puck to the net player. His game is straight line. His game has got to be played in straight lines. Josh, get the puck. We need a centerman to get you the puck on the move. Take it to the net. Shoot it. He, he, I've watched him too many times this year try to finesse the puck. His hands aren't good enough to finesse the puck in there. Like So shoot it. You know what? Look for a rebound. Somebody else might get a rebound. You know, knowing your game and, and knowing – you, you know what your strengths are that to me is is what has to be emphasized to josh and i'm not saying the coaches aren't doing that i'm not i'm not suggesting that they're they're not emphasizing that but that's where i would be with josh your game is straight lines your game is speed power use it and not finesse them. you you gain advantages you gain some advantages when you when you're driving like that and then you lose your advantages by trying to finesse the puck his game's got to begin with power, and it's got to continue with power. And I find that he he gets into those advantages, and then he 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 tries to be something that he's that, that he's not very good at. Eric Cole kind of game: take the puck down the wing, put your head down, stick your shoulder out, drive the net. Right. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can sure. I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. And 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 you know, like I I love I love the beginning of the show with the music and 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 you know, Game Seven in nineteen seventy nine versus the Bruins. Okay, now you watch them. I watch them lots, right? I would grab tapes and I would say to Josh Anderson, "Watch number fourteen, Mario Trombley. That's how you need to play." Did Mario overhandle the puck? Did Mario finesse the puck? No, Mario played in straight lines. Yvonne Lambert played in straight lines. That's Josh. That's what Josh Anderson's got. Mike McPhee. Yeah, I mean, another good. I mean, you use Derek Cole. You use the. I mean, Mike McPhee. Straight lines. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right about that. All right, okay. So, um, did you uh, did you have a chance to hear Brendan Gallagher at the end of the game last night? I did. Yeah. Oh, good. I can't wait to get your opinion on this. So let's let's uh, set the table here. Uh, Canadians are losing by a score of two to one. There's three minutes and 12 seconds uh-huh. left oh, yeah. <laughs> in regulation. Brendan Gallagher is behind the Calgary net, battling for position, battling for the puck. And uh, Lindholm goes, uh, Lindholm ends up falling. The referee who's closest to the play, who's right there, like l- less than 10 feet away, does not make a call. The referee who's in the neutral zone, Ends up calling Brendan Gallagher for tripping. He goes to the box. He is absolutely livid. Last <laughs> night after the game, this is what Brendan Gallagher had to say. He can't make that mistake. It's, it's obviously a real important part of the game. He's in the neutral zone. His partner's right there looking at it. He didn't have a penalty call. Their bench reacts, and he's, he makes a reactionary call. It can't happen at this level, and he knows that. Obviously, for copyright reasons, we can't show him talking with members of the media, but big mistake. He knows it. It can't happen. His partner's right there. He's in the neutral zone. He's the one making the call. Just can't happen, right? He went on to say, and I don't have the audio of it, but I think he talked about, like in football, referees can talk to each other after a call is made to say, hold on a second. You sure about that call? Let's review it. And he says, you don't have that in hockey. Once they call you for tripping, you're going to the box for tripping. That's it. That's all. What do you make of Brendan's comments regarding his frustration that the referee that's in the neutral zone makes the call? And what do you make of his comments that in football, it's not like this? 
Okay, so I'm going to start with the last one first. And and, and hockey has, has come a lot of it, – it has made some real forward strides. They do talk about a lot of things in the game. They, You know, mm-hmm. you, there's penalties that they look at. They can talk to one another and say, okay, that that's a five or it's not a five. Or, you know what, it's an, it, it's an air and high stick. It shouldn't have been mm-hmm. called. So, so, so we do have that to a, to a degree. Number two, going to the middle question, you know, you know, Brendan is a battler, and, and, and Brendan's in the fight. He's in he's in the battle at all times. So to me, you know, you're you're looking at that, and, and he's right. You know, those are moments in the game where you can't react to a bencher, and I'm not suggesting the referee did. Number one, and, and most importantly, right? You know, and and I go back to the kid. Do you remember Kale McCarr when he got tripped and he put up his hand and said, "No, no, no, I fell." Right, and yeah. the referee didn't oh, call yeah. the penalty. But that was something. Why can't a why can't a referee do that? Why can't the referee right there and then say no, 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 no? Like it, it's not a penalty. It's not a penalty. Sorry. And, wow. and you, you're working as a team. You're working you as a group. What it's going to do the hockey world, though, Craig, and social media and everyone talking about games being fixed and rigged and this and that and all that. Yeah, but, even okay. Hear that, well, right? Wait a second. Okay, okay. So fair enough. But what, what do we hear now? Okay, why don't they talk? Well, why don't we – everybody wants to have the call right. You know, the benefit that we get with video, and video is everywhere, and yeah. we have great camera angles everywhere, right? Like, if that referee just put up his hand and said, no, 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 not a penalty, don't worry, well, I'm waving this off here because I, yeah. I got a better view of it. And remember, referees are asked to 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 to, to look in on different areas in, in the offensive zone. I understand, Brent, why is he calling that? But what their responsibilities are and what they're looking for in yeah. the offensive zone are different. But, like, if, if it comes out after that, you know, the bottom line was the referee waving it off, that was the right call, then nobody should be concerned about it. And, but when you get the wrong call, yeah. that creates a bigger problem. And everybody talks about, let's just get it right. If Brendan tripped the guy, like, you might be frustrated. Ah, geez, I, you know, I was just yeah. in there. But but you but when it's not the right call is when frustrations mount and everybody knows that it wasn't the right call. You know I saw I, I like I was watching the game and well, yeah. I, I was paying attention to the game and then I, and then I had to rewind it because I was doing the Winnipeg Jets panel and then I rewound it and I saw it and I said, oh boy, that is that like I can understand why Brandon was so upset. Yeah. Um... I, uh, I, we're going to go to Mapper in, in just a minute here, but before we do, I want to ask you two very, very quick ones. Okay. Uh, Kent Hughes was asked about the three goalie system. Caden Primo's played a couple of games. Now his last game that he played versus the Red Wings, obviously was a very, very good game for him. Yeah. Um, he was asked about the three goalie system and he said, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So it kind of sounds like he wants to go for it, go with it for a little bit longer. Samuel Montembeau, we're hearing that the Canadians are in talks with his clan and that they're very, very close on a contract. So two very quick questions for you. Number one, now that we're hearing they're going to sign Montembeau, what is the contract you think he's going to get? Once again, Jake Allen makes 3.85 this year and 3.5 next year. A, what do you think the, what do you think the contract that Montembeau is going to get is? And B... Three goalies here. Is there a trade to be had with the Edmonton Oilers? Yes or no? <laughs> I, I think there's a trade to be had with with, with a few teams. Uh, you know, in, in, in the league, I, like like I, I I would suggest that Samuel. You know, like it, like like if I'm looking from the outside in, you know, to, you know, could, could it be around a three point two five average, six point five on a two year deal? You know, I'm not so sure how long you want to go on on Samuel. Maybe a three year deal at at ten million or ten point five. You know, that's what I would. You know, that's where I think. I mean, he played really well last year. You know, he, he he's got a level of play that I think you, you know isn't going to fall off. His technique is good. His skills are good. So, I mean, that's what I would expect. I, I I'm not expecting a four year deal or a five year deal. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's where I would see it coming in at. I said this a few weeks ago when we were together. Yeah. I said, I, I, I think Jake Allen should be a target for any number of teams. Any number of teams, Jake Allen should be a target. And for the Edmonton Oilers, who do not have an NHL backup, and a young goaltender in Stuart Skinner, I think Jake Allen would be a perfect fit there. I think the question now comes from Montreal, Kent Hughes and, and his group, is what, what do you want back from, from the Edmonton Oilers? And McDavid. 
Well, okay, if it's not McDavid, okay, yeah. Well, if it's not McDavid, then you, you, it's got to be Drysital, right? Like, Fogel, you know, Fogel. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever it may be, you know, that's where this. But but I I don't think it's just. I talked about Buffalo earlier. I talked about the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. The Buffalo Sabers with Devin Levi there and 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 UPL. You could pack a Lucan in. I think that Jake Allen could go into into Buffalo, go into Edmonton now, and provide some real stability in the goaltending position for those organizations. So those are just two places that I think should be wait a sec not 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 might be in a, should be interested in talking to Montreal about Jake Allen before I say goodbye to you why don't we bring in Mapper this way he has a chance to say hello to you and then we can both say goodbye to you all right Marc-Andre Perrault from TVA Spa hey, it's not often that we get TVA Spa and TSN on at the same time so I wanted to give you this it's opportunity hey how are you I'm good, M.A. How are you doing? It's good, always, good. you know, M.A., maybe we can do this one night. Eric Angles and I joined uh, Tony. And, you know, when, when you get, to me, my belief, and I told this to Tony, I told this to Eric, I'll say this to you, you're passionate, you're knowledgeable about the game. When we get an opportunity to talk about the Montreal Canadiens with Tony, I, I welcome the opportunity. So, Tony, you got to make this happen. We're going to make it happen, and you better make Trust it happen me, what you told honor. me. You, you told me you're coming down to Montreal at some point during the holiday season, so we're going to have a, a bite to eat or a drink together. So you better make that happen, eh? You're going to follow through on that? You're coming yeah, to see family, like, are you not? I have no reason not to follow through on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, be there. I'll be there, too, if you don't mind. Oh, okay. No, not at all. <laughs> you're welcome. Craig Button, always a pleasure. Have yourself a great night. Thank you, Tony, and uh, enjoy your time with uh, with uh, Tony, Emmy. Yeah, I sure will. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Thanks. Craig Button. All right, there you have it. Uh, director of scouting with TSN. I love that guy, uh, and I love this guy. Hey, look, wow, this is a nice setting that you have. This is not a hotel room. This is uh, no, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's an apartment. But it's wow. just you know, it's a great, yeah. great setup now. So I heard you say something, oh, which I? I believe was on lap. Poche Bleu Blanc Rouge, if I'm not mistaken. Last night, yeah. I think it was last night with André Roy and Eric Belanger, if memory serves me well. Yeah. You were at at the arena. It was right after the game. And I I think they started talking about Caden Primo. And you said, Marty St. Louis doesn't like the three-goalie system. I don't think so. Well, is there one coach who would like that system? I mean, he not he's lucky, but good thing is that Things are working right now. Well, saying that the goalies are not the reason why this team is, you know, is having montagnes. How do you say that in a roller coaster? Yeah, yeah, I guess. But uh, I no, I'm I'm sure he doesn't like that. Every time he has he has to put Primo in net, and I'm not saying he doesn't like Caden Primo. It's just that yeah. you know, it's it's all about balance. And now you have three goalies. You have to put him in net, and you can tell. In the scrum, the morning, he's not, you know, he's not pleased with that situation. But yeah, that's part of hockey, right? You, you're normally the coach is doing all the decision, but you, yeah. know, you have contracts and you know a lot of things. So, but I, I'm sure doesn't like it. Were you at a practice today by chance? I was not. I had a chance to see it on social media for those who were there, including your colleague at TVA Spot, Anthony Martineau was there. Uh, yeah. Marty Saint Louis was asked. Uh, I think it was asked even by Eric Engels a couple of days ago. He said, hey, Marty, is there anything that you can do in practice to basically uh, try and work on on, on scoring goals? Uh, and so you saw today there was a lot of finishing drills tonight, right? The, earlier today, yeah. was it was shooting, shooting, shooting. Um, I mean, um, Adam Nicholas was there. You were seeing Slavkowski take shots, um, you know, a lot of them. And Slavkowski was saying at the end of practice, yeah, I like these kind of practices because normally you probably take 30 shots per practice. And on a day like today, you're probably taking 80 shots per practice. So probably three times more shots than you took before. It's going to help with your shooting. It's going to help with your scoring. Of course. But, you know, last night was a good example that things are not going bad for Montreal. You take Josh Anderson. I think he had like four or five good scoring chances, hit the crossbar. Uh, shoot right in the the mid of the goalie at you know he was what five foot away from, so he's he's playing well. He's skating fast, going you know, um, 
on a, comment tu dis ça, dépasser le, le défenseur. Yeah, it's getting by the defender. I, I wouldn't have put him on, though, late in the game on a power play. He's Why thinking, not? I, I mean, he, well, he's because hot. I would go with guys who are scoring goals as of later on. I mean, he's doing everything but scoring, but he's but doing all the good things. You know, he's doing everything but scoring. You're going to get married. You're going to go on the honeymoon. You're going to do everything but. I mean, <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's funny because I mean, the guys were, the were day, saying pretty much this. <laughs> they were saying pretty know? much the same thing. But <laughs> I have no problem with Josh Anderson being on the ice because he's one of the hottest players right now. Hottest by his play. It's not all about scoring, you know. But you know he's playing well. It, it it's gonna come. That's that's for sure. So I have no problem with that. Uh, he played well. Uh, who else? Laugh played well. It's at one point. It's just a matter of getting that bounce, getting that puck in, and then the confidence come back, and you know you're in business. I hear you. Okay, twelve thirty nine left in regulation. Marty Saint Louis reunites Caulfield and Suzuki. Uh, your thoughts. I mean, you need goal, so you put what you think are your two best players. I'm I'm not sure they are the best players right now. Uh, I think Sean Monahan is better, uh, but uh, yeah, I, they they did well. They did yeah. well, uh, so I have no problem with that. Caulfield is playing good hockey. He's I I, I like the way he's he's getting right now, involved, though. but he's cold. But and and that's a problem. It's like Josh Anderson. Yeah. You know, I can tell you all night long that he's skating well and he's involved, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's not going in. But hey. the one who's I, I'm worried about is more Suzuki. He's always been streaky, and right now, I it, it's not just you take Josh Anderson and Cole Caulfield. You can see them. You can actually see them. Suzuki right now, I I just don't see him a lot. You're I, not, not you're not uh, you're not hitting the panic button, are you? Not at all. Not at all. No, because it, it's been like that since the beginning of his career. No, do not touch it. Do not. You did. Hold on a second. I have another message for you. Ready? So I love this story. You are panicking. Not bad for less than 15 bucks, by the way. Pretty good <laughs> value. So... No, I, 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 I'm not panicking. It's just that it, it, sometimes it, it goes, he's so streaky. Like, And it's not that he's playing bad when he's not hot. It's just that you yeah. don't see him. You don't, you know, you don't see those small plays that makes him a good, very good player. Your buddy Le Tigre had a pretty good point tonight. Michel Montbel Bergeron, who said, okay, let's take a look at the centermen. Suzuki, Monan, Dvorak. Dvorak's third line centerman on this team. If Doc would be there, it'd be the fourth line sentiment on this team. That would be best case scenario, right? Why, so why is your best scorer playing with your fourth best sentiment? It's not, it's not a bad point. I mean, I I understand balancing the lines. Total, really, yeah. I get it. But let me ask you a question. How many teams will play their best scorer with their fourth best sentiment? Not often, right? I can't. I don't know. I'm trying to think of some right now. I'm not so sure I can. But that you know, the balance is gone with Doc being injured. But I don't that know. that injury they're starting to feel it now. You can of you course. can make up for it for a little bit of time, but at, yeah. at one point. And you know what? David Savard's injury doesn't help them either. I mean, say what you want about David Savard. He's a top three oh. defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens right now. Right now, I, it's funny because I, I I was following them to go on the press box uh, last night. Saval looks, you know, he, he looks normal. Um, Doc is having you know, these uh, crouches. Crouches, yeah. I, I was like, man, if they could come back, that would help this team so much because New York, yeah. you can, you know, he's fast, but does he mm -hmm. really produce something right now? No. So I'm, I'm not saying, you know, it's uh, he's a bad player or whatever, but Right now, he's kind of looking for his, uh, I don't know, for his game. Yeah. I, Craig Button uh, was saying before that Newhook and uh, and Anderson, they're not giving you all that much because at the end of the day, you want production. You're not getting as much as you would have thought you were going to get with sure. him. I asked him about Samuel Montembeau. We hear that, yeah. of course, the two sides are close. I said, Craig, what would you give him? 
He said, Tony, I'd give him two years, 6.5 million total, or three years, 10 million. Three years, 10 and a half max. I'm yeah, not I'm going sure. to four years or more with Montembeau. I'm what not, would you give him, and how many years do you think he's going to sign? I don't think Kent Hughes is willing to give him that money. Um, I think, you know, Kent Hughes, is, he is so focused, and he is trying as much as possible to put feelings away. So, And Samuel Montembeau, his value is, I think, is higher because of what he, he means. You know, he's a French-Canadian He's a good kid. He's playing well. So he's I, doing I think endorsements here. He's doing commercials. Exactly. So I think on the Samuel side, he well, obviously you're gonna tell me it's obvious what I'm going to say, but they think they they worth more than what Kent is uh, and Jeff are are willing to pay him right now. I would. It's it's so tough because. But if I was his agent, I would ask for the same amount of money that Allen gets, whether he's going to get it course. or not. That's what I'm asking for. Of I'm course. saying, guys, That's... you gave Jake Allen three point eight five million, and Samuel outplayed him last year. That's a minimum. So can we get three point eight five to start? To start, yeah. You know, like I would. That's. I'd... But I would I would sign him for, I mean, I would be willing to give him four or five years because at. You know, probably he's going to end up being second goalie or 1B, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I hope. Well, when the Canadians are going to be a contender, I would think that Montembeau is not going to be the number one. Of course. That, that's, yeah. a, that's a fact. So I hope he's going to, you know, I, I wish him the best, but I don't think it's going to, in the long run, he's going to be the first goalie. But. Are, are you at all concerned with Caulfield's one goal in his last nine games, even though he's leading the Canadians in points? No, no, he's playing no. well. He's yeah, he's having good looks. What was it? It was eight shots last night. Yeah. So he's shooting the puck. He, he had nine shots. Uh, was it in Detroit or something? That's. Do you do you think uh, do, you, do you think Slavkovsky is playing as? Playing well, you're cu you're cutting up here. You're cutting up. You sound like R two D two. I think we lost Mapper. All of a sudden, the Wi-Fi just started to... And uh, anyway, he's got to put himself on that, I guess. But uh, anyway, we were we're probably about to wrap up, to tell you the truth. I just was going to ask him about uh, about Caulfield, one goal in his last nine, which I just did. And I was going to ask him about Slavkowski, if he thought that he was playing as well as Marty St. Louis says that he has been playing as of late. I think we got him back. Let's ask him right now. Sorry about that. No, no, don't worry about it. It's all good. No, you know. Um, so what I was saying, yeah, Caulfield, I have no problem. I, I, I okay. actually think he's playing good in hockey right now, so I don't mind. Okay, Slavkovsky, do you think that he's playing as good as Marty St. Louis says he's playing? Better than ever. Last three games. Last, uh, I like his last three games. I like last, his last three games. And last night, it, it, it's funny because uh, – to me, I, I'm I'm not a specialist, but to me, there's one thing that doesn't lie. How many times do I have your name on my sheet? You know, because I'm taking notes. Yeah. During the game. And yeah. Do I have like let for example, Newhook? I don't have him on my sheet. Never. You're not gonna see Newhook name on my on on the paper. But Slavkovsky, yes. You know, who wasn't on my sheet last night. Who? RHP. RHP did not play a good game last night. Il a pas bien joué, RHP, last night. I thought they had a pretty decent game, left fourth line. I, yeah, I saw him yeah, around I, I mean, I, I'm not I saying... Think I think he's struggling. He is, but, he, he, you know, he's obviously injured. That's, you yeah, know, obviously. But, no, I, I, I actually thought this line played pretty well. Um, thing is... And it's just normal. We saw him having so much success last year. Everything was going in. So we expect that from him. But I'm not looking for points when I'm watching okay. RHB. I don't know what's going on with your sound, but it's it's it either sounds like you you're 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 burping or, or or something. But you know what I mean? It's like a very, very weird sound. But it's okay because uh I was just gonna let you go. But if I can. If I can, do you hear me better now? Because when you were talking, you were making weird. It's making weird noises when you're talking. I don't know what it is. I don't know, man. Yeah. 
Okay, it's 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 too bad, but if you can, if you yeah. can, uh, in ending, I want to bring up a picture. Before we do, before we do, today is a very sad day in the city of Montreal, in the province of Quebec, for Francophones, for Quebecers. Uh, some Anglophones know Carl Tremblay, and they know of Les Cowboys Fringants, but, yeah. you know, every Francophone does, and most Quebecers do. He is a big part of Quebec folklore. Um, can you begin to explain, based on what I've read, to try and understand, uh, Cal Tremblay and Les Cowboys Fringants are kind of like what, you know, uh, what tragically hip was for Canadians. Oh. They were that for Quebecers. Um, let's bring exactly. up the picture if we can. Today, once again, is a very, very sad day. The yeah. province of Quebec is in mourning because Cal Tremblay passed away at just age 47 with prostate cancer. Mapper? Exactly. Yes. Can you hear me now? I can, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would invite everyone listening to, if you have one song to listen, is it's called Les Etoiles Filantes. So shooting stars in French, okay? Les mm -hmm. Etoiles Filantes. And if you can understand what they're saying, imagine a young French Canadian listening to this song at age 15, 18, 20, and then you're listening to it. It, it it's it's very powerful and it's uh it, it, i mean it, to me it's the biggest band in the history of, of of quebec and you know we've had a lot of good ones but it's it's yeah it's it's very sad 47 years of age yeah. two kids uh man it's it's it's, it's so sad but Ma just Mapper, again once once again we're having uh, problems with our connection and your sound uh so well i i think you uh you you gave us a very very good understanding of uh just how big a loss uh the loss of uh cal Tremblay was earlier today of uh le cowboy Franga. so yeah. because we're having a bad sound we'll let you go but once again we'll dedicate this show to him it's way too young Quebec is in mourning may he rest in peace yeah. uh for all of you i hope you enjoyed the podcast tonight like it, share with your friends, comment, uh, S-I-C-K for, of course, the Sick Podcast. And uh, if you can leave us a five-star review on Apple, it's always very, very much appreciated. For Agnello, Sammy, Juliana, Master Control, and Marc-André Perot of TVA Spot, on behalf of everyone at the Sick Podcast, our thoughts and prayers go out to all family and friends of Cal Tremblay of Les Cowboy Fringa. We'll be back tomorrow night when the Montreal Canadiens host the Vegas Golden Knights. And pretty much 10 or 15 minutes after the game, it'll hit 10 p.m. And once again, we will bring you the sick podcast at 10 p.m. tomorrow night. Thanks, everyone, for watching, and have a good night. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. 